Hello, thank you for listening to the Avenue GCLC podcast. My name is Christopher Stevens, and I'm the minister at the Avenue G Church of Christ, where we are people of more. We hope that you enjoy and have enjoyed listening to this podcast, where you can find sermons, congregational singing, and talk shows with myself and youth minister Joshua Williams. We pray that the content is a blessing to you, and we hope that everyone listening can join us in person for worship and Bible class. We are located at 601 West Avenue G, Temple, Texas, 76504. And don't forget to visit us online at avegcoc.org. From the people of Moore to you, thank you and God bless. Uh, that'll teach me not to send in a bio um, before friends. Uh, first of all, to the Avenue G Church, um, what a blessing it is to have been a part of this series. And so from Western Hills to, to Avenue G, thank you for letting us come in and be a part of this and be so welcoming. Uh, it has been a blessing uh, for us. I think if you ask any of the Western Hills folks here, they would tell you how much they've enjoyed this and be grateful. And so we're looking forward to uh, returning the honor to you and hosting during the month of uh, the month of July. And uh, that'll be exciting. I got Chris coming in. He'll he'll be the capper on the whole series. Uh, I have come to to have a great uh, love and affection for Chris and his giftedness and his ministry and and just his love for the Word, his love for Jesus, and his love for you guys as, as the Avenue G Church. And uh, just been a blessing in uh, in my life. Uh, so, uh, exciting thing is, on we just kind of set this up, but he'll be the July 31st, the very last one of these. And on that night, we're going to have a good old-fashioned ice cream social. So, break out your best uh, homemade ice cream flavors and... Uh, Whip them up, bring them in. If you don't have one, go buy some Bluebell, put it into an ice cream tub, show up with it. I was at a church one time. That's what the guy did every time. He thought he was fooling everybody, but hey, it was Bluebell. We didn't argue with it. So what what I want to do tonight is, uh, you know, I don't know what it means to sweat out my shirt, so we'll see if we can get there. But uh, what I want to do, I want to take us to a place, what I heard in the prayer as we began was... Lord, help us to put this into the fabric of our everyday lives. And that's a powerful thought, taking God's Scripture and actually living it out. I heard a great quote one time that said, it's just like paint. The benefit comes in the application of it. Okay, So paint in a can doesn't do you much good, but, but paint on the wall is doing what it was designed to do. So Scripture revealed in our lives is in doing what it was intended and designed to do. So can I, I'm going to ask your blessing and um, can we, is it okay if I teach and then I preach? And I promise it won't be twice as long. Um, uh, but if I can teach just a little bit, and this is a little bit of interactive time because I love it when God's family comes together, when the body comes together, and that's what we're going to be talking about, the body comes together and we share scripture together. So what I'd like to do, if you've got the handout, I want you to look at that. We'll, we'll get to my song. I think I've got mine here somewhere. If you got this handout, I want you to flip the inside. If you don't have one of these or you prefer to be on your own device or in your own um, actual physical Bible, 
I encourage you to turn to Romans chapter 12. And here's how we're going to start this off. And again, this will be the teaching part. Then we'll get to the we'll get to the preaching part. What I'd like to do is I like to read this out loud because there's something about hearing God's word read out loud. And while we do this, if you've got either a device where you can highlight as we go, or you've got a pen, or you pull out some mascara or lipstick or whatever, you can circle on that. I don't care. Uh, I want you, as you hear this, I want you to highlight or circle any word or phrase that jumps out at you. Okay? Now, that could jump out at you for any reason. Wow, I never saw that before. Hey, I wonder why that one's in there. That one's very meaningful to me. That one's challenging to me. For whatever reason, it jumps out at you. I just want you to highlight the word or the phrase or words or phrases that jump out at you. Does that make sense? Then I'll ask you, this will be the interactive part, then I'll ask you to share them, uh, if you're willing to, after this. So Romans chapter 12, I'm going to begin in verse 3, and we're going to read through verse 8. Here's the word of God. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith, God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Okay. Somebody would just want to share what? Give me a word, give me a phrase, give me a scripture that just jumped out at you. God has distributed a measure of faith. Somebody else. Grace. Ooh, now there's a there's a word that has a lot of meaning in this passage. Somebody else. Say it. One body. And we're going to be talking about that tonight. What else? Go ahead. Faith. The distribution of faith. Yes. Oh, now, now there's a phrase. Is it many parts, one body, and we and what's the word? We belong to each other. That's powerful, isn't it? Somebody else. Mercy with cheerfulness. And that's the best kind of mercy there is, isn't there? Jim? Right. No, nobody is without a function inside the body. There's a powerful thought. This almost preaches itself, doesn't it? Somebody else. Sober judgment. Isn't that an interesting phrase? Sober judgment. Anybody? There's this grace that's given to each of us. I don't want to cut anybody out. But love? The what? It's okay. It's God's word. You can, you can go with the extra verse. Powerful. Anybody else? Here's what I want to spend our remainder time doing. Thank you for sharing those because as you see, this is what I would consider a very dense verse. This one's packed, isn't it? And it's packed with some of that Fabric of our daily lives kind of living. And I want to get to that. Well, Chris is called 
the series God in Your iPod. So each week, everybody's picked uh, a song. And last week, I was speaking down in San Antonio. I had an opportunity to preach down there. And I'm driving home, and my son, who stood up earlier, uh, Caden, gives me a call. And we're having this great chat. And he says, Dad, Jordan did a good job. I thought, okay, he's ramping up the pressure here. I said, what are you going to do? You know, And I said, I don't know. Help me pick a song. And so he helped me pick, and he picked this song for tonight. And I think it's wonderful. Okay, so I would like to sing you the song that no, no. See, see, immediately. Here's what I love. Western Hills reacted one way. Avenue G was like, okay, go ahead. You know, so obviously a division right there. No, here's what I love. First of all, is it okay to smile in church and have a good time? Okay, so if you had been around listening to your radio in April of 1972. Here's the song that went to number one. But before you do that, I want everybody to stand up with me because this this is kind of a full body motion because chances are you're going to know this one. Okay? This isn't like Golden Crown. You know, you're going to know this one. Okay. So, you would have heard this song and if you know it, feel free to join, to join in. Sometimes in our lives We all have pain, we all have sorrow, but if we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. Lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on for it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. You just call on me, brother, when you need a hand. We all need somebody to lean on. I just might have a problem that you'll understand. We all need somebody to lean on. All right, give yourself a hand right there. Have a seat. I wonder why that's just not a church song, right? You may or may not know, but Bill Winter wrote that song in uh, 1972. What had happened to Bill is, I'm sorry, Bill Withers. Uh, what had happened to Bill is that he had moved from this small town of Slab Fork, West Virginia. Doesn't that sound like a small town? Slab Fork. They probably don't even have a Dairy Queen. Okay, in Slab Fork. And he had gone there because he was chasing his musical dreams and he found himself in Los Angeles. And Los Angeles was a very different climate and he was missing this community that he had before. He's missing this sense of togetherness that he had before where people, even if you disagreed on politics and even if you disagreed on on what was going on in the local economy, if you disagreed on sports teams, you disagreed on all these different things, they would still help you. They would still reach out. In fact, he told the story one time of his car. He he bought a cheap car and it had bad tires on it and he was driving it for the first time and he blew out a tire and over the hill comes, he said, this is a guy that 
that in any other circumstance, we probably wouldn't have got along. And yet, because we were from the same town, he hikes one way over the hill, and this was like redneck you know, guy, and he hikes back over, gets a tire, lugs it back over the hill several miles each way, fixes the tire, and sends him on his way. And he says, I missed that. So he's sitting at the piano one day, and he goes through these very simple chords. And if you know anything about the song, it can be played, and kids really learn the song because you don't move your fingers any, you just go up and down the piano. And, and, he, and he came with that phrase, lean on me. And it meant something to him. And he started thinking about what he didn't have and what he had remembered having in that small town. And there's something about this idea of we need to lean on each other. And so when I think about that, I look at Romans 12, but I realize that when a lot of people think about church, they don't have the image of lean on me. They have an image of a church fight, right? And a place where it's difficult to get along and a place where people end up doing this more than leaning on each other. Anybody seen it, ever seen a good church fight? Okay. You know, it's one of those things, once you've gone through ministry a little bit, you, you, you start seeing some, and they're painful, aren't they? And they hurt. I came across this story that I, that I loved having. It was about two brides, and they ended up in a good old-fashioned fight at their weddings. And so what happened was the first bride... She, um, her name was Emma, and, and she's, at, she's at her wedding, and during her wedding, her bridesmaid Sarah announces at the reception her engagement. Okay, so Emma gets upstaged at her own wedding, because all the attention then at the reception goes to Sarah. So Emma keeps her mouth shut, doesn't say a word about it. Several months later, or a year later, when Sarah's getting married, she picks Emma to be her bridesmaid, her maid of honor even. Okay, So, as Sarah starts walking down the aisle, Sarah notices that the petals that the uh, flower girl had spread out had gone from the rose pink color to this very vivid blue color that didn't match anything in the wedding. And she's trying to figure this out, but the wedding's already going, so, so it sticks in the back of her mind. She makes it through the wedding, and then immediately, as soon as it's over, she's asking everybody and haranguing the wedding coordinator, what is up with the flowers? It wasn't what I picked. It wasn't what I chose. It didn't go with me. Why did they switch? Nobody's given her an answer. Until at the part at the reception, when they start showing a video of Sarah and her fiancé and these pictures, and, and most of the pictures have been pre-approved. And there were some humorous ones in there. And then right near the end, Emma, the maid of honor, gets up and takes the microphone and says, Sarah, I bet you're wondering why the flowers were blue. She says, that's because I found out that I'm pregnant and it's a boy. And then the last slide was the sonogram image. This story gets posted on on BuzzFeed and Reddit, and all the commenters on things said, how disgraceful, how distasteful, how petty. And you know what? They're right. And there's something unseemly when the bride acts unkindly. There's something unattractive when the bride 
acts immature. And what Paul is getting at in this statement, he says, the bride of Christ, the church, cannot act unattractively, cannot act unseemly, cannot act rudely and crudely, especially towards each other. So join me. Verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Pause right there. If we all embraced this one scripture, think of the radical difference it would make in our families, in our churches, and around the world. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment. We had that word mentioned earlier, sober judgment. Paul's not saying, hey, make sure you haven't had a lot to drink before you make a big decision. Okay? What he's saying is think of yourself as with sober judgment because so many of us are intoxicated on ourselves. Right? Now, please don't point fingers. I always want to make this warning. Have you ever known anybody that's drunk on themselves? See, Paul knows this. And what amazes me about a letter like Romans and Paul's writing in Scripture is it's as if the ink's not even dry on this is how relevant this is. Because we live in a world where it's look out for number one, it is um, being intoxicated on ourselves, and Paul is saying, but the bride acts differently than that in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members. Now, what Paul does here is he opens up this illustration. He opens up this illustration of a body. Now, for most of us, we, we are familiar with the word family when it comes to church. Okay? And that's a good metaphor. But that's not Paul's favorite metaphor. Paul's favorite metaphor is body. He uses it again and again in Scripture, and I think there's a reason for it. The dynamic's a little different. It raises the stakes when you go from a family metaphor to a body metaphor. Now, I'm not harping on the family metaphor, but think through family with me. At some point, as you grow up in your family, the goal is for you to actually leave your family to go start another family, right? I hope my kids are listening. Okay. Um, but you grow up and you're going to leave. And so your family goes through change after change after change. And, it, and the families kind of come together, it gives birth, and then there's a separation there. But not so with the body imagery, right? Paul says that the, bo- the church is like a body, this body of Christ. And the other thing is, we all know that families, sometimes it's just hard for families to get along, right? Families fight. And there's disagreements and there's squabbles. But when a disagreement or your body fights with itself, what do they call that? Cancer. Right? See, that raises the stakes. That changes what we're called to. See, body body members care for, diff- for each other differently. See, as, as part of a family... I should feel obligated, but I may not feel obligated to take care of you. But a body member, the body is automatically engaged at all times, right? I've shared this with West Hills before. 
I've got a slash across my right thumb. Because as a child, uh, my parents were horrible parents, and they actually made me walk to school. And so one day, we're going through school, and on the way to school, there was a route that took you past where a new neighborhood was going up. And so all the construction, these house right after the other. And so the construction guys would have their lunches and their Coke bottles and Dr. Pepper bottles back when things actually came in glass um, left lying around. So as we walked to school in the morning, nobody's around. We'd gather up these bottles, and then be, right past that was this big, long creek where we'd go. We thought it was cool to break the bottles. So we gather up these bottles, and we're smashing them, you know, because, you know, we've got to get on to school, so we smash them. Well, one of them, if you picture a Coke bottle, it kind of broke right along, just like you'd taken a sword and sliced it, you know, in half. And so there was a part that still needed to be broken. I thought, well, it's not going to break itself. You know, somebody's got to be on this. And so I grab it up. I sling it down. It smashes. We head off to school. I get about 100 yards, and I look down, and there's blood all over me. And I'm like, where is this coming from? And then I notice my, my hand is covered. And when I threw that bottle, that, that edge just filleted my thumb open. I mean, down to the bone. Now, at this moment, my left hand didn't go, ha ha. My other fingers didn't go, see, you're an opposable thumb. If you want me so hard to get along with, you know, this wouldn't happen to you. My eyes went wide. My heart beats fast. Left hand's in the grabbing it. I'm trying to hold it shut. My whole body immediately engaged in one mission save the thumb. We rallied to the thumb. We came together to the thumb. Okay? We didn't say, thumb, you're always the problem. Similar thing happened to me. My family will appreciate this one. Had an opportunity to go deep sea fishing. And come to find out me on water doesn't mix. We're out there on the boat, I swear, 40-foot waves, you know, it just seems like we were going to go down any minute. It's actually a beautiful day. But my stomach started doing one of these. And I'm getting green, and I'm getting sicker, and I start feeding the fish. It looks like I'm dumping applesauce, you know, into the water. Now my lungs could have said, why do you have to ruin everything? Every time you show up, stomach, you know, that's why the phrase is sick at my stomach. You know, all we do is breathe. You are killing us. No. The whole body engaged. The whole body felt sympathy. The whole body was concerned. And that's what Paul's getting at. said, there's a body at stake here. And so this phrase about we each belong to each other. Do you hear? Do you hear the ownership language in that? The ownership language is, is I, I belong to you, you belong to me, together we make up this body, and there's no separating it back out. There's no, there's no amputating part of the body. There's no taking part of it away. And so one of the takeaways that I think we've got to understand when it comes to our faith, and, and I think this may be on a slide, but your faith, while it's intentionally personal to you, it was never intended to be private. You understand? Your faith is intensely personal. 
you have a personal, vibrant relationship with Jesus. But your faith was never intended to be private. Therefore, my business is your business. I don't get to keep you out of that. I don't get to hide away parts of my life and keep them separated from you. I need people in my life that will walk in and speak truth to me when I need to hear truth. I need people that will get in my path and say, you need to pay attention to what's going on. You need to pay attention to what God's calling you to do. You need to pay attention to how you're living. And I can't put up a roadblock that says, well, that's none of your business because we're a body and we're together on this. And instead of thinking we're about to have a fight, I need to be open to the fact that you are caring for me like my left hand ran to the aid of my thumb and said, we need to help you at this moment. And so it was a wrapping around and a protecting and a looking after and a caring for. And that's the body. So while personal, not designed to be private. The other thing that I think about when you think about the body is the body and the parts can be incredibly attractive. You know, ladies, you can have beautiful, beautiful nails. But if it's in my salad, it's gross, right? You can have, you can have long, lush, flowing hair. But if it's in my soup, it's what? So once it's separated from the body, it's gross. So here's what I want you to write down for this one. A follower of Christ separated from the body of Christ is gross. A follower of Christ separated from the body of Christ is gross. You were never designed to be separated from the body of Christ. You were never designed to go at the Christian faith by yourself. You were never designed to be a lone ranger, a solo Christian. This was always, from the very beginning, a team sport. And together, we make up the body. By yourself, it's an abnormality. It's, it's a dysfunction. And so, there is a truth that Paul is getting at, that in a very real and very tangible way, we need each other. We need to lean on each other. Trusting one another. Coming together. Because separate was never the design. It is the goal of Satan to separate you out. It is the goal of Satan. If he can pull one away, that's a lost lamb, isn't it? And if and the more that he can draw away, you notice he never draws away in bunches. It's always an individual type thing. He pulls this one out, pulls this one out. And the more space he can put in there is more wiggle room for him to do his business. And yet Paul says, no, 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 we're a body. And Paul's telling this church, and he's telling these Christians, he says, you want to live this out, you be the body of Jesus. Not the body part of Jesus. Not the separate one of Jesus. And so in a very real sense, I need you, you need me, we need each other in this ministry. And so he sums it up with this. Verse 4 again. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others, 
We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's if it is giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Paul goes in this list of gifts. And he says, each one of you has got a gift. And you've got a certain gift, and you've got a certain gift, and you've got a certain gift, and nobody does not have a gift. Everybody possesses one. And so what we need to understand about this is, when you come to a local church, and you're part of a local body like this, your gift is you bringing your gift to the church. So in a very real way, you're the gift to the church. And so if you're a part of a local church, it's because God placed you there in His great design, you're the gift to that church. And so there is no such thing as saying, I don't know what I bring. Now, you may not be aware of it yet, but you bring something. You bring something to that. Whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're fully healthy, whether you're um, housebound, whatever it is, you bring something. One of the, I'm so blessed because I realize that I probably receive more than my share of prayer, of people praying for me. And often on Sundays, I'll have somebody say, hey, I'm praying for you today. I've got a guest here and I really need them to hear a message and I'm just praying for your message and I'm praying for you. I, I We had a lady at our church and I'm sorry that, that uh, you didn't get a chance to meet her. If you didn't know her, you will meet her in heaven. I guarantee you that. Her name was Jane Lee. Okay. Jane Lee was this powerful force for Jesus and she spent most of her life being a missionary. When she got too old for that to be a, a reality, she came back here and she, she lived in Temple and she was a part of the Western Hills Church. And every Sunday, while she was still able, she would show up at church. She would grab me by the arm. She goes, I prayed for you today. And when Jane Lee said she prayed for me, it didn't mean as she walked out the door and got in the car and said, oh yeah, Scott, help, or God help Scott because he really needs it. It was on her knees praying at like four in the morning. And I can tell you, I felt it. That was her gift to the body. Now, you could say, but did it matter? Oh yeah, it mattered. We won't know the impact of Jane Lee's prayers praying for the message until we get to that side of heaven. But I have no doubt that there will be a large, noticeable impact when we stand there before God. All because she brought her gift. Did not try to stand at a distance, but brought her gift. Each Christian is a gift to the church. If you withhold yourself from the body, you're withholding your gift from the church. Lean on me. You know how that song goes? Lean on me. I might have a problem that you'll understand. You see, it goes both ways in the song. The song is not about Hey, I'm just going to carry you. Together, we're going to carry each other. So, I need you, you need me. Western Hills needs Avenue G. Avenue G needs Western Hills. And together, we're better. We're always going to be better together. Now, why does this matter so much and why do I care so much? When the two brides fought, it was unbecoming, right? I'll end with a similar story. 
I've shared this one before, but it's two doctors. That they're in the operating room. And as they start the operation, one of them asks the other to hand him a swab, and instead of handing it to him, he throws it at him. And as they write up the article about it, it says, these doctors then broke out into a fist fight and a scuffle till it went to the floor and finally they were able to get him separated. All the while, a nurse is maintaining and watching over the vital signs of the patient that's laying on the table. Okay? The doctors were fined several thousand dollars each and they were ordered to go to therapy together. Don't you know that was fun? But here's why I care. Because if the church fights, or if the church acts unbecoming, the world lies on the table dying. And together, when we're the body, who else? Who else is going to show the church how to overcome racial tension? Who else is going to show the church how to address poverty and needs in various classes? Who else is going to show the church on how, even if we don't vote the same way, we can still have civil conversation together? Who else is going to show the church what love looks like in spite of past hurts and grievances? Who else is going to do that? Who else is going to show the church what it looks like to forgive instead of pick up arms? Who else is going to do that? There is nobody else lined up for that. That is the job of the body of Christ, the manifestation of Christ. We bring Christ into the world and we show the world and we may be the only sermon they ever hear, so it better be a good one. We're better together. Lean on me and I'll lean on you. And together, that's a witness and a testimony that the world cannot ignore. They may not like our arguments. They may not like the scriptures we share. They may not like anything else. But they cannot argue with what it means to be the body of Christ. Let me pray for you. Father, I am so grateful for these two churches coming together and just this spirit in this room. So, Father, may we be the body of Christ in all that that means. Father, forgive us for the times that we fought and we've disagreed and we've acted unbecomingly and we've been snipey and all the other just junk that we participate in. Father, I pray for your grace and your forgiveness on that and help us to live into the ideal that you call us to be, to be the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the vision for the world to see what you look like. So Father, I pray for this community here, for the one that we share together, that they would look at this body together and see something different, see something that has hope, maybe even something they can't explain, but they know they're hungry for it because they've seen so much of the other. Father, may Satan not win a single victory by dragging anyone away and isolating them as a solo Christian. But may we be ever responsive to the hurt and the grief and the pain, as well as the joy and the celebration of each other. And together, may Jesus be glorified because His body is visible in the world. 
Father, I give all this up to You. And I'm grateful that Jesus is the first one that said, You can lean on Me. In His name I pray. Amen.